Hello, and welcome to another episode of Varsity 360. I am Colombian sports editor Mike Rice, joined today by Will Denner. And uh, of course, this Monday, it's the first day of spring high school practice, which of course meant it was snowing earlier today. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think it's fitting because uh, winter evidently is not done and neither are winter sports, not by a long shot because we have the state basketball tournaments this week. We're coming to you from the first Pacific Financial Studio today early uh, and so we usually publish on uh, Thursdays. This is coming out on Tuesdays because state basketball action starts Wednesday, and it should be a good you know four days of, of high quality hoops. Uh, local teams looking to survive those Wednesday loser out games, and then Camas girls uh, a favorite for the 4A state title. Uh, so before we get into all that, of course we're coming to you from the First Pacific Financial Studio. Thank you to them for supporting the show, for supporting high school athletics and by extension supporting the community at large but uh, I think we'll start with the 2A boys because the most exciting game from this past weekend's regional round was the Columbia River boys uh, you know Ari Richardson nails a three-pointer with a couple seconds left to deliver the Rapids a 55-52 win over Wright River in in just a thrilling loser out game uh, you know that that move that he did to give himself some space he kind of extended yeah. the arm just a little yep. bit, but not not enough for a foul. But just kind of say, I'm a I'm a make a moment here. Give me that space to make my moment. And then of course he drains it. Uh, the buzzer sounds. The the Rapids fans are running off and to, to kind of mob him under the other basket. Uh, yeah, you were you were there for all three games at at, at Battleground this weekend. Uh, just what was the energy in the gym like when uh, that moment happened? Yeah, but that was playoff basketball at its finest. Um, just you know, there were several good games at Battleground this weekend, but obviously River kind of had that signature moment at the end, and um, you know, great student turnout obviously from from both uh, River and Camus and Skyview all on Saturday and uh Props to Ari Richardson and the Rapids for delivering that moment. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear that, you know, that play wasn't even supposed to go to him. And then, you know, the White River kind of sniffs it out. And, you know, we've talked all, all season just about the great balance and kind of, you know, uh, the ability for players like Aaron Hoey and Ari Richardson to play off of each other. And, uh, you know, he's he's not even technically an option on that play. And then it goes to him, and he looks uh, prepared for the moment and hits hits the biggest shot of his career so far and, and sends the Rapids to Yakima. And so what that means for Columbia River is uh, they advance to Yakima, which, uh, like you said, they're going to face number 5 Anna Cordes uh, in a loser-out game at 7.15 p.m. Wednesday. The winner faces number 3 North Kitts out but uh, uh, River uh, they're in the, st- uh, the Hardwood Classic being that they've made it to the final site for the first time since 2019 uh, in Anna they're going to face kind of an interesting team and in being, you know, Anna is the number three seed from District 1. They lost to Cedar Crest in the semifinals of that district tournament that had to win three straight loser out games mm-hmm. to reach state, including a revenge game against Cedar Crest in a winner to state game. Uh, they then lost in the regional round to Renton, setting up this round of 12 matchup. But uh, uh, for Columbia River, they got to be feeling good coming off that uh, uh, emotional win in Battleground. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And Anacortes is a team that can really fill it up. They've already scored 100 points twice this season. Um, and so that'll be a good test for Rivers defense. Um, you know, they've they've shown that depth all year. A lot of guys who outside of their primary scoring options, a lot of kind of long rangey type players. I know uh, Miles Fitzwilson did get hurt, uh, injured his knee, I believe, in that regional round game. So I'm not totally certain on his availability, but even a player like Carter Sharon off the bench has, has proven to be uh, a capable fill-in as well. So uh, they should be in a good spot going into that game. And while while they're the underdogs, um, you know, it's a, it's a great story for this River team who's, who's kind of had a bit of a roller coaster these past three years. But, uh, you know, those pieces really came together this year. Mark Ganter, their first-year head coach, kind of says that, you know, this, this team, you know, they had it all along. He's just kind of, you know, the orchestrator and kind of putting all those pieces together. And, wow, they fit so well this year. Well, yeah, and, and just to kind of set the, the scene for this round of 12 and the stakes that are there, they're all loser out games, of right. course. Uh, but usually uh, these games end up being pretty well matched, even if the seating might be a little bit, uh, you know, there might be a little bit of a gap there. These games tend to be pretty competitive and the stakes couldn't be higher at, at this point of the season, being that if you win, you guarantee yourself at least two more games in either right. Tacoma or Yakima. Or if you lose, you you go home, but say you made it to the, the final site, which is all, all, always something to be proud of. Right. And I think you see with these seedings too, I mean, even in the regional round, you know, maybe like a 9-16 matchup where you think the 9 is like the overwhelming favorite. But if you got to this point in the season, obviously you're there for a reason and, and River should go into this game feeling confident. And, you know, when especially when you haven't faced a team like that all season, I mean, who knows? Anything can happen and, and River should be uh, confident. They have a solid resume to back it up. They've, they've beat Mark Moore earlier this year mm-hmm. um, a team that will will certainly I think be contending for a 2A state championship as well um, so yeah Rivers should should feel proud of themselves and feel confident going into this round of 12 game yeah let's go the 4A boys and another team that had a very exciting win in battleground on Saturday Skyview the number 11 seed storm going against number six federal way uh, the winner faces number five seed Davis but uh, Skyview they got a win over Woodenville in a game where they weren't really, including their leading scorer, Damari Collins, weren't really on offensively, no. <laughs> but they found a way. Yeah. And that's what winning teams do. Damari Collins uh, kind of embodied that despite being 0 for 10 from three-point range in that game. He comes up big defensively uh, as Woodenville is trying to you know, work its way for a shot while, while Skyview's protecting a one-point lead. He comes up with a steal, uh, gets fouled, hits two free throws and then the storm hold on uh, again getting another stop when Woodenville tried to you know tie the game with a three-pointer at the end but Skyview you know at this point it's not it's not about how pretty you win it's just about winning yeah classic uh, playoff game just a defensive slugfest on both sides and I believe Skyview had a nine-point lead going into the fourth quarter and slowly Woodenville kind of started to chip away at it and you're kind of thinking oh no is Skyview really potentially gonna gonna lose this and um you know that final defensive sequence i mean damari collins to to ask to get the assignment of, of woodenville's kind of top scoring option and then get that steal and get fouled i was actually uh taking photos and kind of saw the the progression of him going from celebrating to to looking at the scoreboard and it kind of started to sink in a little bit that you know if you made those free throws they were probably gonna hold on for the win and um you know props again to skyview a team that uh in this current 
class has not has not been there before. They they last went there in 2020, um, just before this senior class came into their freshman season. Um, and yeah, their defense, I think, as the season has gone on, has has really tightened up. And you know, we, we've talked a lot about how how tough of a non-league schedule they they played for themselves early. And I think it, you know, at this point in the season, you want to kind of see, um, you know, the uh, the experience of those games kind of lead to results like this. Well, in federal way, they're going to go against a team that uh, is has actually lost despite being a number six seed they've lost two in a row they lost in the bi-district semifinals to Tahoma uh, they had already qualified for state so yep. uh, they opted not to play that third place game uh, and then they lost to uh, in the regional round to Gonzaga prep so obviously federal way is going to try to get right uh, in this but uh, I think it's it's one of those classic 11-6 matchups where you kind of throw out the seeding because it's whoever kind of plays well and and runs their offense and most importantly dials down on defense in the Tacoma Dome. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we obviously know Federal Way is kind of that perennial state power. And, um, you know, as a six seed, I think they're pretty dangerous. Their they're 16 and seven record might not totally indicate that, but they play in a tough league and, and to lose to a team like Gonzaga Prep. But, you know, Skyview is not just happy that they got the, to the Tacoma Dome. I mean, even even after they won a Winter State game and then advanced to regionals, I mean, they said all along, like, you know, we we're going into this thinking we can make a run. And of course, a team's not going to say otherwise, but you, you really kind of believe it talking to the storm. I mean, whether their seating is is an 11 or, or, or whatever it is or 12. I mean, um, it's uh, you know, they're they're still a dangerous team no matter what. Another team that is dangerous, especially if they shoot like they did on Friday, is the Camas boys. Mm -hmm. uh, number 13 seed going against number four, Glacier Peak. But Camas is coming off its best shooting performance of the season. I mean, this is just insane. Uh, in the regional round against West Valley of Yakima in a hostile gym at Davis High School in Yakima, the papermakers bury 19 three-pointers. <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember exactly how many they shot, but they were probably about 19 of 30. I think I remember wow. one of the coaches kind of saying off the top of his head that so to shoot roughly 19 for 30 from three-point range in, in a playoff game is just insane. But yeah, we, we were talking kind of before this that the way they generated their offense uh it wasn't like they were just spraying and praying and you know it wasn't there's two different ways if you're going to shoot 33 pointers in a game there's kind of two different ways you can make that happen there's one kind of ugly way that you can do it where you just kind of iso ball with your best shooter and he or she will you know try to you know get some space and and shoot it up and do that over and over and over and then there's the way the papermakers kind of generated their offense on friday a lot of cross-court passes a lot of skip passes a lot of making the extra passes a lot of ball movement and what that did is it made a lot of those 30 three-pointers roughly that they shot non-contested three-pointers they were wide open looks and the reason i think they were able to do that so effectively was one of the keys to the game that Tim and I kind of talked about heading into that mm -hmm. in that the papermakers needed to get multiple shooters involved in the offense early so that that defense didn't just collapse on their top score Beckett Curry. That's exactly what you saw happen in the first quarter against West Valley with Jace Van Voorhees making three three-pointers 
in that first quarter, a first quarter where Becky Curry didn't even score. Mm. So by the time you got to the second quarter, you had already established that this wasn't going to be a one-player show, and that opened it up for Beckett, who had 13 points in the second quarter. It was, uh, you know, talking to Coach Ryan Josephson after the game, it, it was to a T, the, the strategy that they had kind of been preaching all year that we're at our most dangerous when everybody's a threat to score. And that includes sophomore Ethan Harris, a six foot eight forward who hit what, eight or nine three pointers. Mm, yeah. uh, if you have that kind of length and that size and you're also draining it from outside, how do you defend that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was gonna say too. I mean, when you have potentially five guys on the court who can shoot, including your your, your center who stands, I think, six seven or six eight. I mean, that makes you a dangerous team. And, um, you know, I think they learned last year as well at the Tacoma Dome that, you know, shooting might not always travel there, but I think they also have, you know, the experience and, and kind of know what it takes um, to, to, when their shots aren't falling, to also play that style. I mean, last year it was, it was kind of the Theo McMillan-led penetrating and kind of getting better looks close to the basket. And Jace Van Voorhees is very much a player like that who kind of in that same style of Theo McMillan can kind of uh, create opportunities for teammates as well. Um, so I think, you know, w whether or not uh, they have another 19 three-pointer uh, showing <laughs> at the Tacoma Dome, they've shown that they can play both styles and they have uh, the personnel that can do it. Well, and in West Valley, they beat a, a team that outmatched them in the front court when it came to size. Right. Uh, their main, uh, West Valley's main weapon down there is a 6'5", probably 260-pound post uh, Parker Mills. And he was able to get uh, his position down low early and had a really effective uh, fir first half. But then uh, they made some adjustments, Camus did, in the second half, and they're like, even if he's getting the ball 10 feet from the basket, that's still too early. We need to double him the moment mm. he touches the ball. And so they they held him to two points in the third quarter, really shut him down. And then on the offensive side, with them, with Camus being so hot from three-point range, it didn't matter uh, that you know, West Valley had a size advantage down low because they were just shooting over the defense. Right, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the perfect kind of uh, recipe, I feel like, for a team like that. So Camus showed that. All right. So uh, so obviously Camus, uh, they're going to go against a Glacier Peak team that, like Federal Way, uh, is also on a two-game losing streak. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, the first of those losses came in their district championship game to number one ranked Mount yeah. size. So obviously that's not a bad loss. But then uh, they... They lost in the regional round against Davis. Uh, so Glacier Peak, despite being a four seed, uh, uh, coming in on a two-game skid, looking to get right. Yeah, and that was a team that Skyview played earlier in the year, too. And, um, you know, I think that was a relatively close game. And, you know, Glacier Peak has obviously won a lot of those close games this year. So uh, to lose two straight going into the Tacoma Dome, to, excuse me, the Tacoma Dome is not ideal. But uh, obviously their record is still really strong, 22-3 and three on the season. They're a four seed. Um, um, so that'll be a, a really dangerous team to play. But uh, Camus has that state-level experience now, too, so don't count them out. All right. The next team we're going to talk about, uh, the Seton Catholic boys and the 1A tournament. Uh, this, I think, is a, a setup where the, uh, the Cougars are looking for to really just take that next step. We've talked yep. about over and over how every year for the past two or three seasons, they've gone a little bit further and done a program first. Last season, it was getting to Yakima for the first time. 
This year against number 10 Meridian, the number seven seed Cougars are going to look to make the quarterfinals for the first time in program history. And they're set up to do it, perhaps. I mean, they had a really tough regional draw where they had to go on the road, a a long road trip up to Linden to face number two seed Linden Christian, a perennial state contender, one one of the toughest draws year in, year out in, in that tournament. And so Seton lost that game 71 to 39. But in Meridian, they're going to face a team uh, that, as a number 10 seed, has a 13-11 and 11 record. I, I don't think you should read too much into that record, however, because Meridian has won four of its last five games, mm. the only one of those losses coming in their district tournament to, of course, Linden Christian. Right. So, uh, but, but I think that's going to be a great matchup. Uh, and again, we talked about it last week that uh, uh, that – experience that Seton Catholic gained with uh, last year's sophomore class being really the driver of that team going to Yakima. This isn't going to be new for them in the Sun Dome. And I think uh, Seton Catholic, uh, if they win this game Wednesday against Meridian, will will be able to look at their state tournament experience and be like, yeah, we, we did something this year that uh, that we can really be proud of. Yeah, you said it. I mean, they're no longer newbies at the Sun Dome. Last year, they were a number 14 seed, and I think that was just kind of a new newfound, uh, you know, position for that program and just, you know, to get that experience, um, obviously getting eliminated in that round of 12 game. But uh, now they're, you know, on paper, a favorite as a number seven seed. And, and interestingly enough, too, they actually played a holiday tournament in that same venue in late December. And one of the teams they played, uh, number one seed Zilla, is actually the opponent that they would face if they yes. win this quarterfinal game. So uh, they do have a little bit of experience there, um, even even just from a few months ago. And I think that can that can help too, obviously, kind of because it's, it, for anybody who's who's been there, kind of knows it's a little different setup with the two courts and in a really big venue. And there's kind of the black curtain in the back too. And your line of sight's a little different than your, your average high school gym, obviously. But but um, they've been there before now, and it's not new for them anymore. Well, if you want to uh, talk about the uh, the thread in the story of uh, uh, stacking up memories, if they can, if Seton can win uh, that Wednesday game and face number one Zilla, they're going to get one of the coolest experiences that you see uh, in that Yakima venue and that Zilla, they bring everybody yeah. from that town. Uh, it, it is when Zilla plays in the state basketball tournament, it is loud. It is packed. Uh, unlike the Tacoma Dome, which has many of the same characteristics that you just described with a you know more wide open boundary, uh, the Yakima Sun Dome is a little bit more intimate. The, yeah. the stands are a little bit closer. Uh, and uh, if when if Seton has a Thursday game against Zilla, they're going to be looking into a sea of orange and black fans, <laughs> and it's going to be a great atmosphere. That win or lose against the top seeded Leopards, um, Seton can point to that as as yeah, we took the next step, and right. we got we got to see really the 1A state tournament in its, you know, at its most intense. It, it is also worth noting that um, while that sophomore class, now junior class, got that experience last year, freshman Caden Wilson, the Trico League Player of the Year, is new to this. So this experience for him, obviously he's now uh, played several playoff games and, and even won a district championship with Seton um, a couple weeks ago. But, uh, you know, th- for, for a freshman to get that experience too, I think is going to be uh, invaluable for them next year. 
Yeah, it's all about making memories, and that's what Seton wants to do yeah. this week. Uh, let's go to the girls, and uh, perhaps the most compelling Wednesday game in any of the state tournaments for local teams is round number three between number eight Columbia River and number nine Ridgefield. We say, well, how is it that two Greater St. Helens League teams that uh, you know have faced off uh, already twice this year in league play get matched against each other in the round of 12? Well, that's just how the seeding broke down. Uh, Columbia River was the number eight seed after the WIA selection committee put them in that spot. That meant they got uh, the unenviable task of going on the road in the regional round to the number one seed Ellensburg Bulldogs, prohibitive favorite to win uh, the state title. Um, It it went about how you'd expect uh, River losing uh, 69 to 25, but uh, we talked about last week, that's kind of the trade-off. Yeah, you're going to be an underdog against a really good team in that regional round, but you're guaranteed the uh, uh, passage to the round of 12, even if you lose. And so that's where Columbia River finds them themselves. Uh, number nine seed Ridgefield, they had to win their way in. They yeah. beat uh, n- number uh, 16 Kingston on Friday evening thus setting up round number three between Columbia River and Ridgefield at 2 p.m. Wednesday. Um, uh, obviously, uh, the, the records, uh, uh, Ridgefield's record is better than Columbia River at 21-3 and three versus River's 18-7, and seven, but River has won both matchups against the Sputters this year. Right, yeah, I, and obviously we don't need to get into a whole kind of thing about the way the opening round of state is, is kind of laid out, but I think it's, it's weird that, you know, as the number 18 River kind of goes into this, feeling maybe a little bit uh, I don't want to say unsure but just after a performance like that it's kind of a different feeling obviously than Ridgefield who's kind of rolling in off of a big win off of Kingston Um, but that being said River should have plenty of confidence in this matchup you know knowing that they beat Ridgefield twice already this season Um, that latter game in particular when they had to go into Ridgefield and allow Jim and you know uh, really a back and forth game that they were able to win on the strength of their three point shooting with the likes of uh, Emma Niguez and Gracie Glavin and uh, Peyton Dukes and and company, but um, but at the same time, I think Ridgefield now, um, you know, after winning, getting that winner to state game win over Washougal, winning this past weekend and kind of and and being able to go now uh, back to state for the first time since 2007, they're um, they're in a really good spot, and and for both these teams, I mean, they're. Uh, they haven't done this in in quite some time, so it's it's a new experience for both of them. But uh, obviously, the opponent is familiar, and uh, that should be a really fun game. Yeah, circling back to River really quick, I think the easy thing to say coming off a loss against a, a, an elite team like Ellensburg is uh, just flush it. Yeah, but I I don't think they should do that. I I think they should say, you know, hey, we learned stuff. Uh, we learned what the toughest team we we actually saw how tough the competition is going to be and everything every team not named Ellensburg uh, is probably not going to be as tough. We've uh, had the experience now of traveling to central Washington, of course, Ellensburg and Yakima separated by about 30 miles. Um, And uh, you know, the, the game, I think that Columbia river girls uh, in addition to their two wins over Ridgefield can really look to is uh, the district championship game against WF West, which they were competitive in WF West being a number three seed kind of being viewed along with Linden as, as the, uh, kind of 
group that's right below Ellensburg as far as uh, the tiers of competition in the the two A girls state tournament. Yeah, and I think uh, you know T Anderson, their their head coach, is somebody who. Uh, you know they're always learning from a loss, and if if uh, you know they they get an experience like they did against Ellensburg, it's right back to film the next day. And um, I remember a loss earlier this season to Hudson's Bay was kind of an eye-opening one for them, and then they follow that up with their first win against Ridgefield, and then beat them again later in the regular season. So uh, certainly, I'm sure they will they will learn some valuable lessons from that loss to Ellensburg. And um, again, I mean just just having that you know in the back of your mind that you've played this team. Twice Twice before you've won those games you know what it takes um river should feel confident and then on the flip side of that ridgefield um i think is gaining confidence as the season has gone on and while you know we've talked about maybe they they didn't always get the biggest kind of out of uh league tests um at this point in the season playing teams like wf west and and even kingston this last weekend um they should be ready to go as well definitely so the fact that river versus ridgefield go head to head in the round of 12 guarantees that we'll have a 2a gshl girls team in the state quarterfinals we'll also have a 4a girls greater st helens team league team in the quarterfinals by way of number one seed camas which took care of business on saturday Saturday in the number one versus number eight seed regional round matchup, beating Gonzaga Prep, kind of uh, overcoming a, a slow first half to pull away and really, you know, dominate, especially on defense, winning 53 to 31. Camus has now won 11 in a row. They have booked passage through to the quarterfinals and they will await either number seven, Tahoma, or number 10, Bellarmine Prep. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously Camus will play whoever is in front of them. I don't don't think they really have a preference in that matchup because um, you know that Camus beat Bellerman 63 to 44 in the by district tournament. Yeah. That came one game after the the Lions beat Tahoma 57 to 53. So Bellerman and Tahoma are pretty even. Uh, Camus is going to be a favorite, but uh, uh, this really starts the final stretch that Camus has been building for not just this year, but really for several years as this group of seniors has played together and uh, uh, kind of envisioned what way they want to end their high school careers. Right. And I mean, they, you know, they're, they're here where they want to be, but that, that Gonzaga prep game, um, you know, the first half in particular, I think kind of uh, was probably a good lesson for them going into the state tournament. I mean, it was kind of a, a physical, the type of game that the canvas just wasn't quite initially uh, getting on track offensively. And I know Riley Sands had a big first half. I think she scored 15 of, of Camus's 24 points, but they were frank about the fact afterwards that, you know, we can't afford to do that, um, particularly, you know, against some of those other top teams, a team like Sumner that they had a really tough battle with in the bi-district semis, and even uh, maybe a Kamiakin or a Woodenville, who's the number two seed. Um, so, you know, they're, they're learning from that already. And I think, uh, you know, going into Thursday's quarterfinal, I mean, yeah, like you said, they, they played Bellarmine already. They know what it takes. And then Tahoma last year was a team that they faced in that first round of state. So uh, familiar opponents. And, and now it's really just about Camus taking care of business. And, and uh, you know, this this cross-country season they had already, um, this is what they did to prepare them for this. And now it's, it's time to see them, uh, you know, get 
tested. Well, that was always the plan was to stack the schedule with those elite national level programs around the holiday season. But the challenge that that brought up was now once you're done with with the you know the tournaments around Christmas and then some tough games, uh, the, you know a second game against Clackamas uh, in in early January. Uh, then you have a league season where, aside from two games against Union, which Camus ended up winning pretty handily, mm-hmm. you weren't really going to be tested for the better part of, of kind of six weeks almost. Right. And so uh, it was all about how can we, you know, the tenor that we, or, or the tempo and, and the mood and the intensity that we had to play with against those elite teams during the holidays. Can we bottle that up, put it on ice, and then crack it open uh, when it comes time for the by district and the state playoffs here in late February, early March? Yeah, that's an interesting point. But I think the the good part too about those early season tournaments is it kind of simulates that same like three games in three days mm-hmm. type thing. So they they know kind of how to deal with that, and they've also kind of had the, those moments in the season um, of these past two months in particular where maybe they weren't playing a ton of games but still got some really quality practice time in. And, you know, every time they play a game, uh, talking to them after the Bellarmine Prep game of by districts or even this last weekend against Gonzaga Prep, like, they're they're always happy to get these these tests. It's never, like, kind of a, a bad thing or, like, you know, they're lamenting, you know, their, their play necessarily. It's like, no, we, we want these tests because mm-hmm. this is going to get us to our ultimate goal. So, um, yeah, they're, they're locked in at this point and they're ready to go. Yeah, three games away. Uh, you know, they take care of business in the quarterfinals. We'll see who they get in the, the semifinals and beyond. But uh, uh, that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. Uh, you'll be up in Tacoma uh, yep. to, to see that. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, uh, just a couple of teams we want to mention. Uh, shout out to the Columbia Adventist Kodiaks in the 1B Boys Tournament. Despite being a number 16 seed, they have won loser out games against Mount Vernon, Christian, and Tulea Parrot. Her- Heritage, so that the Kodiaks are now headed to Spokane for the round of 12 Wednesday against Nacelle. And so a big tip of the cap to the Kodiaks, a big underdog story there, uh, you know, winning uh, as the number 16 seed, getting hot. And uh, uh, even though they might be, you know, one of the smaller schools in Southwest Washington, they have a history of playing some pretty good basketball, making it to the state tournament. And so uh, definitely a, a tip of the cap to the Kodiaks. Surviving advance. Yeah, that's what it's all about. <laughs> and also, uh, I will be be in Yakima this uh, this week. I, I can't wait to see how the Southwest Washington teams do there, including the Mark Morris boys, who uh, they saw a 14 game win streak come to an end in the regional round of the state tournament, losing 58 to 48 to number three North Kitsap. But the number six Monarchs are dangerous. Uh, obviously, they have one of the best players in Southwest Washington, in Braden Olson. Uh, they are trying to send longtime head coach Bill Bacamus out uh, into retirement with a state title and uh you know the monarchs ha- just have made a habit of of showing up when it matters in yakima and so they'll start the number six seed against uh number 11 bremerton with the winner facing number four renton i'll be very excited to see if the monarchs catch fire this week the only unfortunate thing is uh because bremerton beat ra long we were denied a, a third straight uh game between ra long and mark morris the crosstown rivals but uh it's going to be exciting to follow mark morris and even just last season they were in the state championship game and they, uh, what a story that would be if Bill Bacamus can make a run in his final uh, trip to the Yakima Valley Sundome. Well, you can follow it 
all week uh, on 360preps.com. Follow us on all our social channels at 360preps. We'll be having updates from Yakima, from myself, from you and uh, uh, Meg Wachnick up in Tacoma. Uh, it's going to be a great week of basketball. It's one of my favorite weeks of the high school sports season. I can't wait to break it down afterwards, but we got we got y'all primed with a special uh, uh, early edition of, of Varsity 360 today. We will see you next week, and best of luck to all the teams in Tacoma, Yakima, and Spokane this week. Thank you.